Folks, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 6. And we're going to be looking at the first four verses. So we're at another turning point in the letter. So I would say we're beginning in what I would call the third section of the letter. If you remember, what are we doing with this study? We're going through the gospel. I'm saying the gospel, well, the book of Romans, the letter to the Romans, for the purpose of understanding our faith. So the first section, which was chapter 1 through midway through chapter 3, he was kind of explaining our dilemma, our problem, the situation all humanity finds itself in, and that is that we're just doing our own thing, we're not seeking after God, even those who, quote, are following him aren't really following him, and we're all condemned. So then when you get into chapter 3, midway point all the way through chapters 4 and 5, you're going to see then that he talks about the reality of our being accepted with God. And so that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about the whole issue of acceptance. So I just want to remind you of that, remind you what he was stressing to us. So the, I, I'll break it down into some key phrases I gave you over these last few weeks. So first of all, it's not about you. Your spirituality, your acceptance with God, listen to me, is not about you. It's not about who you are, who you're not, not about what you've done, what you haven't done, not about how much you give and how much you're not giving, not about how much you're showing up here or not showing up here. It's not about any of that. It's not about how much you know or don't know. It does not have anything to do with you, how much you're sinning or, not, or the lack of sin in your life. That has nothing to do with God's acceptance of you. God's acceptance of you is because of one God-man, Jesus, who died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And through that, you have forgiveness and eternal life. Not because of you, but because of who? Jesus. And so with that reality comes the realization that I'm accepted by God, I am reconciled to him, so I now have a relationship. You, as a believer, now have a relationship with him. And he makes the point at the end of chapter 5 is that where sin abounds, and let's be honest, it does abound in our lives, right? You still keep sinning, right? He said where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Grace abounds. That your sin isn't not going to affect your acceptance with him. Now, hopefully, you've, you've gathered that through the weeks that we've been talking about this up to this point. Well, I kind of want to tell you that we're moving into a new section now where Paul's going to talk about you and I having a new mindset, a new way of thinking. Why? Well, the problem is, is that if you just stop there with it's not about you, it's about him, and you've been forgiven, and grace abounds much more, you can enter into, whether you realize it or not, into some misguided thinking. You can adopt one of two different views that are really out there today when you talk about the whole issue of salvation by faith and the whole issue of grace being there for you. You can adopt 
two different mindsets, and they're both, in, they're both not correct. What are they? Well, here's the first one. Some think that grace downplays the seriousness of sin. When you grasp the reality that it's not about you, it's about Jesus, and that with that you have been reconciled with him, that you have a relationship with him, and where grace, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, you can adopt a mentality, and, and it was true in Paul's day, especially among the Jews, well, you're just downplaying the seriousness of sin then. You're just saying you could just do whatever you want to do. And some people have a problem. They can't wrap their brain around it. They can't wrap their brain around the whole concept of our acceptance with God being about Jesus only. And so they think we're just downplaying sin. And so, yes, they are in a church or whatever, but what they keep stressing is the sin, 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 and you need to stop, 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 because it's a problem, problem, problem. And so you have some who do that. Well, if you go, if you say that that group is over here, there, there's another group that's over here. And that's my second point I want to make to you is that some believe that they can do anything since they're forgiven. I mean, they resonate. They, they're, they're, they're like, yes, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Jesus has done everything for me. And, and yes, with sin, grace abounds. So therefore, therefore, the logical response, George, the logical response, humanity, is I can just go and do whatever I want to because I will be what? Forgiven. And we're influenced by both of these different viewpoints. What do you mean we're influenced? I, have you ever heard somebody say, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'll ask for forgiveness later. You ever said something like that? Where does that come from? A misguided thinking, misunderstanding of grace, a misunderstanding of what Jesus did for you. And so the group that says you're downplaying it, in that instance, yeah, you are. But they're not right either. So Paul recognizes that this is going to be an issue now. So when you get into chapter 6, he's, he's going to be launching into a whole other section, chapter 6, 7, and 8, and he's going to talk about you and I developing a whole new mindset. A whole new mindset specifically about how God works in our lives as Christians, how God works in your life as a believer. And so what he's wanting to do here is he's wanting to change your wrong outlook on life. And so we're going to look at it today in verses 1 to 4, just to start off the conversation, because he's going to address this misguided thinking. So I want you to notice with me what the apostle writes in verses 1 to 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this and try to correct our thinking because this is what this whole section is about. How do you know this whole section is about a new mindset? Well, when you look at these first verses, he talks about, do you not know? No. Later on, he'll talk about reckon, think about it, come to a decision. He makes these kind of statements throughout these three chapters about you grasping in your mind what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. What does that mean now? Now that he has freed you from sin, now that he has forgiven you, now that it's not because of you, it's because of him, what does that mean for you and I as a believer? He's gonna spend three chapters focusing on that. And so what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna look first of all at the question, because he's raising a question here, which hits right at the misguided thinking, and then we're going to talk about a proper perspective. So let's talk about the question. So it's like he, he kind of anticipated that people were going to go there. So when I told you that it's one extreme or the other, that basically we're making excuses. We're the one group that says we downplay the seriousness of sin, whereas the other group is doing that. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm forgiven. He anticipates that, and he asks this key question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So here it is. Should we keep on sinning so we can experience more grace? That's what he's asking. Some of them were at the place where they were thinking, well, you know what? If that's all it takes, is if I sin, I experience forgiveness, then let's just keep on sinning so I can experience more forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way they operate. Can I be honest with you? That's where a lot of Christians are at today. We operate with this mindset that if, 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 if there's grace and I can experience more grace and more forgiveness, then I should just keep doing what I want to do. And the problem is, he's going to tell you, look at the very, he says, certainly not. It's one word in the original language and it conveys a can I, I'll put it in everyday George language. No way! That he, he's trying to get you to understand that type of thinking where you think I could just go do whatever I want to do and I'm forgiven and it's okay. That's not right. That's what he's saying here. No way, that's not right. Don't operate that way. Well, George, if, 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 I, if I don't operate that way, then, I, then I'm going to find myself with that other group that says that we should be more serious about sin, and that means, therefore, I should be living under these rules and so forth. No, 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 that, that's not what he's saying either. He's going to present you with something else here in a moment. But he's saying, look, listen to me. This question is a wrong question. Now, how did they get that question? Well, Here's, here's what I want you to see. The thought emerges from recognizing that God's grace overwhelms sin. They're reflecting back on Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Look at what it says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, 
grace abounded much more. So the law basically shows where your sin is, but here's the where sin then abounds, grace comes in, and what grace abounds even more. So what they were thinking is, is that they thought that by recognizing God's overwhelming grace over sin, well, they could just go ahead and do whatever. Look, God's grace, let's just be honest. Now, here's the fact. I don't care what you have done. Reality is this. His grace is greater. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't care what, if you want to write that down, it doesn't matter what you've done. Paul's telling you back in chapter 5, doesn't matter what you've done, grace overwhelms that. Grace is greater. That should, for some of you, just to help you, should free some of you. Because why? Some of you are like, well, I'll never be that again. God will never have anything to do with me because I messed up. When did you mess up? Well, it was 20 years ago. I made, when I was younger, I made this decision. And I regret it now, and I'll never be the same again. Look, I'm telling you, that's not the issue. The issue is God's grace is greater than your sin. Recognize it. Own it. Believe it. However... Paul's wanting you to understand, don't let that now be an excuse to go do whatever you want to do because that's not the way it should be for you and I. You don't have to be over here where I can just do anything or you don't even have to be over here where I quote, I need to be serious about sin and so forth. There's a third way. There's a third perspective to live from. There's a new mindset that you and I need to adopt and live by. What do you mean, George? What are you talking about? Well, that's what he gets to when you get to verses 2 through 4. He's kind of presenting it as something that you have maybe forgotten. Or in our instances, maybe you were never told. And so when we go through this, hopefully this will help you to see something. So let's look at these verses together. Look with me, first of all, verse 2. Here's what he says. Certainly not. How shall we who die to sin live any longer in it? So he's saying, how can you who are dead to sin live any longer in it? What's he talking about, George? Because the fact of the matter is, I sure don't feel dead to sin. I didn't react the way I should have in this situation. And I did this, and I shouldn't have done that. And, and this is the thing that I'm struggling with continually. And sin is a part of my life. Sin continually happens. Sin is there always. I can't get away from it. What's this thing that he's talking about here, about me being dead to sin and that I shouldn't live any longer in it, what is he getting at here? Well, here's the first point I want you to see. Understand and live as someone who's dead to the power of sin. That's what he's talking about. When you came to Jesus Christ, 
in that instance where you recognized who he was and you decided in your heart, I need him. I am following him. And you gave your life to Christ. In that instant, the Holy Spirit entered into your life. We all understand that, right? In that instant, the power of sin, and I didn't say sins, the overwhelming power of sin died in your life, was broken. But you say, I still sin, George, I still sin. Yes, and Paul's going to describe it as we get further, that you and I inhabit a body of flesh with its same old desires and its same old power over us, right? And he's going to tell you not to, a little bit further in this chapter, not to yield your members, what are, what are my members? The parts of my body to sin. But the overall power of sin has been broken. What does that mean practically to you and I? Well, before you were saved, you just did whatever your body wanted to do and you just went along with it. Now, because of Jesus and you have died with him, and he's going to talk about that here in the next verse, the power of sin, you're dead to it. What does that mean? It no longer has power over you. So what does that mean then? You now have the ability to choose whether or not to sin. You can say no to sin. Now the problem is, most of us don't know that, and most of us don't say no to sin. We just keep on what? Sinning. He's saying, look, grace is greater than sin. Yes, grace overwhelms sin. But here, recognize something. The power of sin is broken in your life. You don't have a free license anymore. Sin is broken. You can say what to it? No. No, you can say no to it. Why? Because that power has been broken to you, for you. Look with me at verse 3. He's making a point here. Maybe you didn't realize this. Look with me at verse 3 to help you to understand. Or did you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Now, when he's talking about baptism here, he's not talking about water baptism. Some of you I've baptized back here. I was baptized in a makeshift pool in the back of a Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina in October. It was cold, and the water was cold. He's not talking about water baptism here. He's talking about spiritual baptism. He's saying that that moment when you came to Christ, you were baptized, you were buried, with him, you died with him, and then you were raised up to walk in newness of life. And so here he's saying in verse 3, when you were saved, you were spiritually buried with Jesus Christ. The old you died. Isn't that interesting? Because a lot of other epistles from Paul, he'll talk about the old man, to put away the old man and what? Put on the new man. Some of us are continuing to walk in the old. You're, you, can I say this? You're a zombie. I'm not a zombie, George. Yes, you are. You're continuing to live in the old man who's what? Dead. 
He's saying rather live as what? The new man. So first thing you've got to recognize is that power is broken. The old me doesn't exist anymore. You're somebody different. The old you doesn't exist anymore. You're somebody different. Through Jesus, you're somebody different. In fact, that brings up the next point there. Look with me, verse 4. Here's what he says. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into his death. Then just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Here, here's the reality. So when I got saved, when you and I got saved, when you were saved, okay, just as Jesus was raised up, you've been raised up as well. It happened like that. So for me, it was a Tuesday night, second or third week of April in Columbia, South Carolina. I gave my life to Christ. I realized who he was. I followed him. When I got up the next morning, it wasn't the same old George. Now, it was the same old George. But it wasn't the same old George. When I looked in the mirror, it was George with more hair, who needed to shave. But then I wasn't the same. Why? Because what I didn't know at the time that I know now is, is at that time, the old me died. The old me, the power of sin was broken in my life. I could now say no to the things that I knew were, that God was showing me were wrong. And what I could do now is do what he's telling me to do what's right. And now I live in Christ. I was raised up with him. Some of you need to realize that. Man, that really takes it to a whole other dimension, isn't it? What do you mean? Because for some people, salvation is simply fire insurance. Some people, it's like, oh, I, I've got that taken care of later on. I can do whatever I want to now. No, no, you don't understand what he did in your life right now if you have that kind of attitude. Because salvation isn't just for later on, by and by, when I go to be in heaven. Salvation is right now in your life, which right now, before you were enslaved to sin, and so you just did whatever, but now you can say what? No. Before the old man was in charge, but the old man isn't there anymore. The old man is gone. There's a new person now in you. There's a new you. You are a new creature in Christ, Paul says. So what do we do then? We'll look at that last part of verse 4. Here it is. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. So remember I told you there's a third perspective? Okay, so remember, misguided thinking is over one over here is you look at salvation and you look at grace and you, your reaction is, well, we're just not taking sin seriously. People are not just taking... And so it ends up having legalism where every area of your life is regulated from how you dress to what Bible you carry, where you can go, where you can't go, what you can do, what you can't do, what you can listen to and what you can't listen to. I mean, you name it, it's all right over here. We're not taking it serious. Then you got the guys way over here. It's like there's no law. I can do whatever I want. And uh, I'm... I'm 
forgiven, and because I'm forgiven, grace is greater than my sin, and so if I want to experience more grace, let me just sin some more, and I'll experience more grace. That's that extreme over here. There's a third perspective. This is what I'm trying to get you to do, to understand. This is what I'm trying, I want you to do this. This is what I'm wanting you to embrace. He saved you to live a new life. So here's the point. The point is, is we are to live out this spiritual, spiritual reality in newness of life. We're to live out this spiritual reality in newness of life. So the point is, is you're, you are to live differently. Well, I thought that's what they're doing over here. No, 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 no. You can do all this over here and still have a sin problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can have all this legalism over here and still not be right. You're almost as bad as the dude way over there who's doing whatever. You just think you're okay because you're not doing certain things. His point is, we want you, the scripture wants you, God wants you, the spirit wants you to what? Live as the new person you're supposed to be. Because the old you died. The power of sin is broken. So live as the new person you're supposed to be. What? Led by the Spirit. Who's changing you. So be the new person. And as you do that, you begin to realize more and more the grace of God in your life. Basically, can I tell you what it is? You've heard it this way. Oh, I wish I had a second chance. You ever heard somebody say that? I wish I had a second chance. People, you got a second chance. Now live the second chance. Do you understand what I'm saying? Live the second chance. It doesn't have to be the same old way anymore. Well, you know, I tried, George. I can't seem to do it. Then you go to him and you say, God, I can't do it, but I know you're telling me to do it. Help me in this area. And trust me, he will. Now, will it happen instantly? No. No. Some things he might. So when I got up that next morning on a Wednesday in April of 1985, George still had a pack of cigarettes George still had plans for the weekend going drinking with his buddies. But something changed. Why? Because within, within a week, the whole concept of cigarettes, I crushed that pack and threw it away. I walked away from the beer. The filthy language stopped. Now that was the easy stuff. I'm, here I am, 38 years later, okay, and he's still working on some other things. And can I tell you what they are? I won't tell you what they are. I'll just put them in categories. Attitudes, that's a big one. Did, did you understand what I'm saying? Actions, relationship issues, all of these things that are not Christ-like that he's been working on and what? Continues to work on until what? I go to be with him. Then I will be perfect. But the point is, George, 38 years later, are you walking in newness of life? 
Are you walking as the new you? And that's what I'm saying to you. You, whoever you are who's listening, are you walking in newness of life that he gave you? Not in this one extreme, I can do whatever I want to, or in this other extreme, oh, we got to take serious about sin. No, you, you, you're going to take serious sin, and you're not, you understand forgiveness, but you're balanced, and you realize, I need to be the new me. So therefore, what do we need to do? Change your thinking. Develop a new mindset. And that's what Paul's going to be talking about as we get through these next three chapters. Let me pray for you.